It just occurred to me while I made uh, some of the announcements, after I'd made those announcements, that perhaps you folks were wondering whether there wasn't any more information. The reason I didn't say anything about that, beloved, is because there is no more information than what you've read in the paper. That's just how far the matters stand at this moment. And, of course, we can't give you any information when there isn't any. But I want to assure you again that if there is information, you will receive it as soon as possible. So far, it's only what you found in the papers. I'd like to assure also our people who are with us this morning and who are faces I cannot see and who cannot see my face, who of necessity must sit in one of the other rooms, who can hear us, I want to assure them that we'll be thinking of them and that they are very much with us as far as we are concerned. We'll have to put up with a few inconveniences, beloved. That's one of the things that comes with a situation of this nature. I'm sure that we have your cooperation and that the Lord will give you grace also to have a blessing even though you can't be in the auditorium proper. My text for this morning is found in Psalm 37, the fifth verse. Psalm 37, the fifth verse, those beautiful words, Commit thy way unto Jehovah, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. There are times in our life, beloved, when we become very conscious of our ways. There are times also when our way really doesn't mean too much to us. We don't give it much consideration or much thought. Those are the times, of course, when everything is nice and when there are no obstacles in the way. And our way just simply seems to go of itself. But oftentimes the Lord stirs us up and shakes us up, and then we begin to ponder about our way. It is especially our way that stands upon the foreground. The Lord does that through many different means. He does that sometimes with us as individuals and sometimes as families. And he does it also sometimes as congregation. So that we become very conscious of that reality which we call our way. And many questions arise and many doubts fill our minds. We wonder about the way. Now, that's the thing that stands foremost upon the foreground the, this morning. I'm aware of that, and that's why I wanted to say something about that this morning. We must turn to the Word of God for our instruction, for our edification, and for our comfort in all our ways, in all the circumstances which befall us on that way. There's only one place that we can go, beloved, and that's the Word of God, and it's a wonderful thing, and it's a most blessed thing, 
When the God when God stirs us up and shakes us up so that we begin to realize that, and when he takes everything away from us so that we have nothing left but his word, we may not have experienced that very much in the past. I believe we have to some extent. I believe we shall experience that more from now on. There's no greater blessedness, beloved, than when you and I say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know the way. It's not in my hand. There isn't anything I can do. It's thy way. And I want to walk according to thy word. Beloved, there's no greater spiritual prosperity and blessedness in the life of the church of Jesus Christ as history itself proves. Then exactly that. The church does not flourish. And the church does not prosper spiritually when, when it's easy come and easy go in every way. You know, I have been telling you for some time, not particularly with a view to this eventuality, but I've been telling you for some time because I believe the Lord has impressed that upon my heart through our experiences in the past that the Lord was going to shake us up. He was going to stir the congregation. He's been doing it. We thought perhaps the Lord was through. We thought now perhaps the end had come. We would be able to remain where we were. We would go on as usual. But that isn't what the Lord did. The Lord says to you and me this morning, you still need some more shaking. Beloved, do you want it? Are you willing this morning, beloved, to be shook up by the Lord? To so be so shook up that we're going to say, Lord, we have nothing to gloat about. We have nothing to be proud about. You've taken everything away from us. Here we sit. But we're thy people. We're thy people. We're thy church. And now lead us. We commit our way unto thee. Lord, now lead us. Beloved, are you willing to do that? That's the big question this morning. In that way, there is the sure promise. He shall bring it to pass. God will take care of it. This is the testing of our faith. Shall we go on with God and only with God? Shall we go on with the Lord? Going on with Him. And we have no other choice. The only other choice we have is to be unfaithful. 
We ought to see that too. The only other alternative is to be unfaithful to the Lord. Going on with the Lord, we can go through the Red Sea and we can go through the wilderness and we can climb the mountains and we can jump over walls for in Christ all things are possible. Let us then commit our way unto the Lord. This morning, we want to call your attention in particular to the meaning of that. In the second place, the ground for doing that. And finally, the possibility. Committing our way unto the Lord. What does that mean? What's the ground for doing that? And how is that possible? What is our way? I don't know whether you have ever stopped to think much about that concept, beloved, but our way is really ourself. Our whole way concentrates in ourself. You can never separate your person from your way. You wouldn't be concerned about your way in any sense of the word if it didn't concern yourself. But really your way is yourself as you find yourself in the existing circumstances. That's your way. A way is not, is not necessarily a long way. The way is always a matter of the moment. We have a way this morning. We have a way for today. And when we uh, look into the future, then we say there is a way also into the future, yes. But the thing that concerns us particularly is the moment. Because it concerns our person. So we may say that our way is our life. It's our very practical life. It's our thinking and our willing and our desiring and our planning, our loving and whatever else it may be that is a part of our existence, of our life. In all the various uh, ramifications, in, in, in all the the situations of life in which God places us uh, as individuals in the family, as a uh, uh, congregation of Jesus Christ, members of his church, as people who are called to, to uh, a certain vocation in the world, those things all have bearing upon our way. So that from our way, you can really exclude nothing. Everything that concerns us belongs to our way. Now, in the deepest sense of the word, beloved, 
Our way is not in our hands. In no sense. In our hands. No more than we ourselves are in our own hands. Thank God that God doesn't say to us, you just take care of yourself. Our way, our life, our breath is in the hand of God. He gives us life and being and he upholds us. He is active in our minds. He is active in all situations that concern us. God is always working in all things. And so, we are not in our own hands, but we are in the hand of God. Always. Now that doesn't mean that because God is such a sovereign God and rules so sovereignly over all his creatures, that doesn't mean, beloved, that you and I say, well, we can sit down. And after all, the Lord does it, has to do it, and, and we have nothing to do. That's another question. And that's the question of our responsibility. And I have never found, beloved, that the doctrine of God's sovereignty and of man's responsibility clash. They don't. And I think you can see this morning how very beautifully that truth of God fits. It's one truth. God is the sovereign God. And he works all things. There's no doubt about that. We believe that. But there are certain things in our life that the Lord says now, this and this is your responsibility. That doesn't make God dependent on anything that man does. It simply means that God executes his sovereignty through the way of man's responsibility. That's all it means. We must see that. It isn't so, beloved, that this morning I want you to go home and to say, well, you see, after all, it's all in God's hand and, uh, well, uh, we don't have anything to do. You don't have anything to worry about. But we have lots to do. We have our life to live within the limits of our rationality, within the, minute, within the limits of that rational freedom, rational moral freedom, which God gives us. This morning, you are still parents with your children and with your family. That's your responsibility to instruct them to instruct them and to see that they are instructed. And the picture of the church enters in also there, does it not? That's your responsibility. You must uh, determine that. 
course you must. You have the responsibility for the care of those whom the Lord has given you. The consistory has the responsibility in this particular thing to seek the well-being of the congregation. That's its responsibility. And so we all have our responsibilities. Now, beloved, the text does not mean to say you have no responsibilities. You just uh, leave it all to the Lord. That's like saying to a man who's a farmer, you don't have to sow the seed. Because it's God who gives the increase. You don't have to sow the seed. God God does everything. Beloved, I hope that you're, you get the point that I have in mind. Commit your way unto the Lord does not mean we have no calling. We have nothing to do. It means exactly that we must be faithful in our responsibilities and we cannot commit our way unto the Lord if we are not. We cannot and may not say to the Lord, Lord, care for us when the Lord sets definite duties, definite callings, responsibilities before us and we refuse to take them up. Now, that's because the Lord works that way. And that's why I don't want you to misunderstand. And when I, when I say to you and I bring you this word of comfort, beloved, that you have nothing to worry about and that God takes care of us, I certainly want you to understand that I do not mean a well that simply leaves us sitting here with our hands folded and nothing to do. We have many things to do. And one of the biggest things that we have to do, beloved, is to pray. To pray. Pray as never before. And to study the Word of God. And all the other things which the Lord lays upon our way as individuals and as church. But it is our way. And there are many, many things in our way, beloved, over which we have no control whatever. We've experienced that. We've experienced that now again. In spite of anything that man might do, God has had his way with us. Shall we admit that, beloved? You and I didn't want this, did we? We really would like to have had it, had a different decision. But God has had his way with us, and there isn't anything you and I can do about that. Not one thing. You and I can go back and you can, and we can say, well, if we had done this and if we had done that and if and if, it doesn't mean a thing, beloved. I advise you, don't do that. Don't do that. There's only one thing that you can say and that is, if God didn't want it to be this way, it wouldn't have been this way. You can say that, but let all the other ifs alone. 
This is God's way. And sometimes, no, not sometimes, usually, I would say always. When we really become concerned, we're concerned about things that don't concern us. We're concerned about things that concern God. I mean that are God's concern, that are wholly and entirely God's concern and not ours. Usually when we're filled with fear and we begin to be anxious and filled with care, it's because of something that God has done. It's something that isn't in our hands. It's something that we, we simply have to leave to the Lord and, and then when we look at the things that the Lord does, then, then we begin to wonder and, and we perhaps begin to say, uh, I can't understand it. Some of our good people are saying today, isn't there any justice in the world? Perhaps you say, what's going to be the way? What's going to become of us? Where are we going? What are we going to do? Well, beloved, those are the things that are in God's hand. And you and I are not called to settle God's problems for him. Let me say it just a little stronger. God tells us that we have no business to make problems out of what God does and out of what he takes care of. And beloved, there is no better way to disturb our souls and to rob our souls of peace than to be troubled about things that are altogether in the hands of the living God. God rules in our life. And when we begin to submit God's way to our own judgment and we come to the conclusion that there are many things about God's way that aren't nice and that aren't right and finally we come so far that we say, I'm not going to go in that way. And beloved, I know that you can find many, many things even this morning. I feel sorry this morning for the people that have to sit in in those rooms who can't be in the auditorium here, I feel sorry for them. This is the best that could be done. And there's going to be many, many things like that. Many things where we are going to be called to simply deny ourselves, to walk in the way of the Lord. But if we begin to say, well, I don't like this way and I'm not going to walk in this way, and we're going to try to find our own way. We may find many things, but one thing we shall not find, and that is peace. Peace in our soul. That is found only in the way of submission to the will and the way of God with us. 
And what price that peace, beloved? Is there anything else that is of more value, a greater blessedness to us than that peace of God, the assurance that we're in his hand and that he leads and that he guides. He will bring it to pass. Commit your way unto the Lord. The expression there in the original is, beloved, to roll. It's just like a burden that's too heavy to lift, too heavy to carry. But you push it, you roll it. And so, the psalmist wants the child of God to roll his troubles. And roll his fears and all his worries. Concerning what God is doing, he wants him to roll those things off himself and to roll them on the Lord. All his sins, roll them on the Lord, confessing them to him. All his fears, roll them on the Lord, because he cares for us. He will bring it to pass. That's the ground. He is Jehovah, our God. And beloved, when we have him, we have everything. We have always said, have we not, that we would rather have God than buildings. And God is asking you and me this morning whether we really meant that when we said it. Did we really mean it when we said that? We'd really, we'd rather have God in Christ than buildings and money name, whatever else it might be. And God is putting us to the test, not only this morning, but also in the days that lie before us, whether we really meant that. It's easy to get buildings, beloved. It's easy for you to have a building. There are all kinds of church buildings in this city. There are all kinds of churches with which you could affiliate. For you, as an individual, it wouldn't be difficult to get a building. If that's what you want. But we said, we'd rather have God and buildings and name with his blessing. And if we have God, beloved, then we have everything. What else can we need? Are you, are you concerned about the Lord this morning, beloved? What are you really concerned about now? 
Are we concerned about ourselves or are we concerned about the church? The church of Jesus Christ, which we believe we are and represent. Are we concerned about the church of Jesus Christ or are we concerned about ourselves? Beloved, each one of you is going to solve and answer that problem for yourself. But in the way of committing our way to the Lord, he brings it to pass. And the Lord has done that in the past. Beloved, I cannot begin, and I can speak only for myself, and I hope that you can say it with me. I cannot begin to compare the value of what God has given us in these troublesome years of the past with what God has taken away from us. God hasn't taken a thing away from us. He's given us everything. He's given us the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. He's given us new life to live from the scriptures day by day. He's caused his word to be the power unto salvation in our lives and we've experienced it. Do you want to begin to pair brick buildings or whatever else it may be with those things? What do they amount to? God hasn't taken anything away from us that you and I should sit down and weep about it. And God certainly hasn't taken anything away from us that he cannot again restore to us tenfold. If he's willing to do that, I say he can. Because this God who brings our way to pass is the Almighty One. not a helpless idol. He's not a man. But he's the almighty God whose work shall surely stand and whose hand can never be turned. And oh, if I had to only speak of his might, but I may speak of his wisdom too, may I not? He knows the end from the beginning. And in his counsel he has determined our way with all that befalls us as individuals and as congregation. He has determined our way. Beloved, do you or I have the audacity to even dare to think that we might know better than our God? Commit your way, your wisdom, your judgment, your idea of things unto the Lord. And if I could only speak of his wisdom and of his might, it would be enough. But I may speak of his love of an undying eternal love revealed in Jesus Christ. A love so great 
that he spared not his only begotten Son, but gave him over for us all, that we through him might be delivered from all our sins and have everlasting life. That God is Jehovah, faithful in all the unfaithfulness of his people, true to his word, true to his promise. He shall bring it to pass. All that you and I can never do, and all that he wants us to use, all that he wants to do through us as he uses us as instruments, God will bring it to pass. He will lead us. No, beloved, we are not in the hands of men or in our own hands, but in the hand of God. We are not the only church of Jesus Christ, no. But we are the church of Jesus Christ. We have no monopoly on the truth, no, but we have the truth. We have the word of God. We have our calling from God, which has come to us also through history. And beloved, you can't begin to undo history. You can't do that. And I know perhaps even in your minds too, in the minds of some of you, the question arises so that you begin to say, well, I wonder whether anything was right since 1924. Perhaps even some think that that can be undone by moving back. That's not the way the Lord calls us. If that must be the way, then I am convinced that God will open the way which he has not done. For the only way of that kind must be the way in which we may retain not what man, but what God has given us. Never may we throw that away. He shall bring it to pass. Trust in him. That's faith, beloved. Oh, I know some of you have been wondering how I have been feeling about this matter Beloved, I have been concerned about you. Isn't it wonderful, that grace of God? You've been concerned about me, and I'm concerned about you. This one thing I know, and I pray that God will impress it deeply upon your hearts and minds, that spiritually, We have much more now than we would have had 
if it had been otherwise. I'm convinced of that. And I trust, beloved, that you are and that you will experience it. I know you will. For to trust in God, to live with him, and to lean on him alone is to be forever blessed. Let friends and kindred go. Those things aren't first. This mortal life also. The body they may kill. Yes. And they may take away churches. And houses. And land. And name. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is eternal. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, bless thy word unto our hearts. Raise us to the heights of faith. Grant us, blessed Christ, thy spirit. Let us remember thy way for us. May we have grace to bear what thou layest upon us, that thy life may become manifest in us. And so thy name may receive all the praise and the glory in us and through us and through all things now and forever. Amen.